0: Hi friends, and welcome to episode 11 the Sports Psych MD's podcast, Trailblazers. In this episode, Drs. Hose and Trogio
1: highlight athletes who have not only broken barriers in their sport, but have made huge cultural impacts through their accomplishments. Oftentimes, these impacts have lasted generations.
0: Interestingly, a lot of these trailblazing athletes have a lot of the same personality traits. Some of the athletes that they touch on are Jackie Robinson, Muhammad Ali, Althea
1: Gibson, Flojo, members of the US women's national team, and Tiger Woods.
0: So sit back and join. Do you feel me? Do, do you feel me? Do you feel me? Do you feel me?
1: Trailblazers. Ooh.
0: Not Portland, but we're no game Trailblazers. Yes, we're in sunny Los Angeles right now. It's a beautiful day. It's a beautiful
1: day in the neighborhood.
0: All right. So we're talking about trailblazers, game changers Yeah. today in this podcast.
1: Trailblazers and game changers who, as it turns out, sometimes goes hand
0: in hand. Yeah, people who have broken down barriers or through barriers and achieved excellence. Yeah,
1: achieved great things.
0: Greatness. And so... Today, we're going to break down the personality characteristics that a lot of these trailblazers share and have in common We're going to play a little bit of a game We essentially go down every single sport and Armin and I are just going to throw out people that come to mind as trailblazers That's right And we're yeah. going to talk about them and we're going to relate it back into kind of. I don't know how we're going to relate it back, but
1: no, Well, listen, I mean, here's how we're related back. There's a lot of different
0: ways to relate it back Inspiration
1: Yeah, inspiration, but I mean, it, it all comes back, right? It all comes back to the beginning, Because even though I think we've discussed in other podcasts, genetics and genetic inheritance plays a big role in determining who we are and what kind of resilience we're going to have. Resilience is coming back again. We're bringing to the, the table or the court or the field, whatever the case may be. We also recognize that the environment in which we are raised those forces, those dynamics that play into our development. And they too can play a very important role in helping us to achieve great things.
0: I want to touch on what you, what you just said. I think what we'll, you'll find out when we bust out the names of all these trailblazers is you can become a trailblazer, you can become a game chaser despite your environment. You can come through a horrible environment and ultimately excel and do great things in this life.
1: You can do that. I mean, you know, um, I think LeBron James is one of the, the great all right. examples.
0: All right, two minutes in, and here we got LeBron James <laughs> comment. You're breaking see, records with every podcast. See
1: this guy; he is a natural born hater, natural yeah. born LeBron hater, right here. All right,
0: <laughs> so let's get in. Let's talk about these uh, the Big Five, the Factor Five. Yeah, Big Five personality traits. Yeah,
1: so Big Five. Um, you know, when we were reading up on this, we realized that. So I think we all are familiar with this idea that many scientists like social psychology scientists for seemingly centuries have tried to understand behavior by kind of reducing it down to Mere words, mm-hmm. these characteristics, and a lot of people are familiar with, like Myers Briggs, for example. Yeah, did you right? do that? Well, ENFP, INFJ, or I think whatever. I, I was an
0: INTJ or something. Yeah. I'm not sure. Whatever that means. Um, you probably took a personality test at some point, maybe in probably. college. most people have. We did it in med school, I think.
1: Yeah, and I, I think what it what it what it really comes down to is just trying to develop an understanding, really, of what makes people great and and successful. And by comparison, you know, what causes people to maybe lose track and not have success. And it seems like a lot of these different theories have come down to either like four or five words that represent characteristics, you know, this this set of traits. But it's kind of cool. These studies are, they're decent studies. Some of these theories are supported by pretty good science and what they've done is they've looked at sort of universal qualities that seem to be unique across populations, you know, across cultures to those people that are most successful. Yeah. You and know, they, like an American culture, for example, like a, you know, a CEO, yeah. right, for example.
0: And mm-hmm. um, in, in, in jumping into the big five, they, they kind of reduced it down to these, these five categories and it's like a, it's a spectrum. So let's just jump into it. A good mnemonic to way to memorize this is ocean. Mm-hmm. So the first one is openness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how open are you? And what does, what does that mean? Like how open are you to new experiences, to be how imaginative are you, how insightful can you be as an individual? That's what openness means. So yeah. how does openness relate to someone who may be a trailblazer? What, sure. Do you think you need to be score high on openness or low on openness? It'd probably
1: be... Pretty advantageous if you're expected to see your, you know, a high draft pick and you're expected to to lead a team to getting victories at the professional level. I think it's going to require a person who is probably more inventive than they are, I guess, cautious. You know, a person that has maybe a little more curious, a little more, takes a little more initiative. I mean, you're gonna have this huge playbook, probably this, this this whole new type of scheme that you're gonna to have to figure out soon, hopefully quickly, you know, if you're the kind of person that's going to kind of sit back and expect that things are going to come to you, that's going to be less advantageous than if you're competing against someone. For example, it's like, all right, I'm going to to go and I'm going to learn the playbook on my own,
0: right? That's like a game changer, but that's on the minuscule stage. I'm talking about openness with regards to being imaginative, inventive, insightful to the point where the sport doesn't even really matter. You're breaking barriers off the field. Um, off the court so definitely a trailblazer is going to be someone who's for obvious reasons is you're doing something no one's ever done before and a lot of these trailblazers we're going to talk about are people that that are doing things that did things that no one had done before them so you have to be open you have to score high on openness the next one which you touched on a little bit is conscientiousness or almost that self-discipline how organized are you how thoughtful how hardworking and forward-thinking are you Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like you have to score high on that, right, to be a trailblazer.
1: No, you have to, man. I mean, you can imagine that, let's take a quarterback, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, in order to be a successful quarterback, you have to be someone that's not only willing to take on the burden of learning your own plays, right? Your, I should say your own responsibilities within the play, but you have to learn the responsibilities of all of your teammates. That's what a, a true leader does, and there's no way that you can be a careless guy. You, Absolutely, know, yeah. you know, someone that, that doesn't really you know, go the extra mile to dot that I and to cross that T. If you're not that person, it's going to be really really difficult for you to check your own stuff off and, and what you know, everybody else has going yeah. on too.
0: I think to be a high level professional athlete, you have to score high on conscientiousness. You have to be self-disciplined. So that's unanimous. The next one, would be extroversion because mm-hmm. we're doing going down the ocean model. So extroversion versus introversion. This is a little bit more controversial because I think you can certainly be successful as an introvert. I, I would I would categorize myself as an introvert, but extroversion the little bit more sociable, gregarious individual, the person everyone want, kind of wants to be around at the party. Yeah, that's making people laugh. Different things like that. Very assertive, high amounts of emotional expressiveness, which may or may not be a good thing. What are your thoughts on, on those traits and how it correlates? Well,
1: you know, one of the reasons why it, it correlates well is because if you're not likable, then it's going to be hard to be a disruptor, mm-hmm. right? It, it, it's going to be hard to kind of challenge the status quo, yeah, right? And shake things up in an organization unless you're someone who, quite frankly, people want to to follow yeah right people want to be a, a you know a part of which you know what they have going exactly. on
0: exactly and we're not and you're not necessarily saying that extroverts are more likable than
1: introverts not at all not but at all.
0: someone who's putting themselves out there well, a little bit more exactly maybe so, you know, advantageous
1: so check this out so the next trait that goes into this is agreeableness okay right? so you have agreeableness you have to be
0: agreeable right but ideally you
1: actually score low on for this particular trait really yeah because you wanna be less agreeable. You wanna be someone that isn't afraid to, you know, to, to disrupt the status quo. So you wanna be disagreeable? Exactly.
0: Oh, wow, I wanna, so you're telling me someone that is disagreeable, it's more advantageous? Yeah, to be a leader. Oftentimes, you look at these guys like, let's take
1: a, a paid Manning, for example, and you come into an organization that is struggling. You can't continue to do the same things. Can't continue to follow the same guidelines and and have the same habits
0: that led to you
1: know failures.
0: You got to go against the grain, right? So you're going to upset a lot of people. Exactly. So yeah. I, I think of like someone like Steve Jobs, like definitely disagreeable individual. Probably Elon Musk. He disagrees with a lot of people. Any anybody that's an innovator, you're going against the norm, and you're going to get a lot of hate. But you got to be disagreeable in order to go against this norm. You got to create a disruption. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Agreeable people are more passive in nature, so you got to be a little bit more aggressive, and that's why being disagreeable, being an evolutionary, a trailblazer, it's important to be disagreeable. Yeah, it is, and
1: you know, you think about it.
0: uh, (laughs) Donald Trump's plenty disagreeable. (laughs) But
1: no, I mean, if if you're a person that is a disruptor, then it's also important to be likable. Because if you're both uh, someone that people can't stand and trying to shake things up, you know you're gonna have a much harder time, much more resistance. Yeah, so
0: you got to be able to balance this. You can't just be really far in the disagreeableness, but then also not have that likability, which which isn't necessarily a personality trait, but it's just kind of a fine balance. And that'll lead us in the last one, which is probably the least important one, was neuroticism. That's the in and ocean. And get, you want to score low on this, obviously. Obviously, And neuroticism is just your overall emotional instability or stability. So if you're neurotic, you're a little bit more emotionally unstable. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is basically, basically comes down to confidence. As someone, again, who's going to shake things up, you're, you're going to make decisions that at times are, are, are not popular. And if you're not able to handle the pressures of, for example blowback yeah you know you have the, to be emotionally stable yeah. in order to be also be effectively yeah, the, disagreeable exactly because you know you're going to get criticism and you're going to yeah. have to defend your position you're going to have to talk to the media for example mm-hmm. you know you're going to have to stand there and weather and the storm weather the storm you know so. and
0: all these trailblazers we're about to mention definitely were able to, to weather some pretty crazy storms and, and break some pretty intense barriers like that we said that's never been broken before so you you want to go ahead and jump into these athletes? Yeah, man, let's do it. What sport um, do you want to do first? You want me to just throw one at you?
1: Well, you know what? I I will say this thing. I'll say this right here. Um, there are every sport has at least one athlete who broke the mold. You know, who put who was responsible for putting that sport on the map to national prominence.
0: Right? Yeah. There's definitely Um, a couple different flavors you can go with this. Like, do you want the person who was the first person to actually play the game or the first openly gay athlete to play the game or the person who brought this sport into the mainstream, Yeah, the person who broke the color barrier? There's so many different avenues, and I'm excited to see what kind of athletes you're going to talk about.
1: Yeah, well, so exactly. So you, you have those athletes that put the sport itself into the limelight, and there's also those those athletes that brought a new community of athletes into the national spotlight.
0: Regardless, right? I think all these people that we're going to mention are inspirational. Yeah. And people that it wouldn't be a bad idea to model yourself after someone like this. And that's why we broke down those those personality traits because a lot of them share these characteristics. I sure do. Yeah. You want to start with baseball?
1: Yeah, I, I like that idea because if we can go to baseball then we get to highlight an athlete that, um, man, is so great great that they actually made a movie about him, right? There are certain, certain guys who probably fit into this category of the GOAT, as you put it, because of the sheer greatness of their talent, their playing ability, the dominance that they put on display each and every time that they walked onto the court and or field. But there's also this group of people who were not only great on the field, but perhaps even greater off the field, off the court. Mm-hmm. You know, and for those particular people, they oftentimes were able to achieve success that went far beyond the world of sports. I mean, their impact really it's it's universal, you know, it's global. It's something that really I think touches even politics oh yeah is life changing yeah. for
0: even people kids growing up today yeah this individual started i think one of the pioneers of the civil rights movement
1: civil rights movement you could say in many ways was the most important and just pivotal and influential period of american history and one of the people at the forefront of that movement was a man by the name of Jackie Robinson Ooh. And it's a, again, it's a great story, not just because of the amazing things that he did to, to bring a little bit of color to the sport of Major League Baseball, but it was, it was just the
0: reflection of a
1: life of resilience.
0: Yes. Uh, Jackie Robinson, he joined the Brooklyn Dodgers, and he made his Major League debut on April 15th, 1947. So just for a little... Clarity on this time period. 1947 was when Martin Luther King at the time was only 19 and the civil rights movement. Nothing had been going on with regards to that at this point. So and obviously at the time, Major League Baseball, maybe not today. That's America's pastime. There was it was second to none in America with regards to sports. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, NFL
1: is the king now. Yes, right. I think we can all agree, and I think but, NBA but
0: is too. And,
1: and the NBA is like yeah, probably number two, but it was so much different back in the day, mm-hmm.
0: right? It, that's why it's called America's pastime, the national game. And he broke into it, and he was the first one. And he was an absolute stud, like you said, He one of the greatest players of all time, regardless of his skin color and the barriers he broke off the, off the field. But this is a, this is a guy who, long before he was playing baseball, he was st- standing up for what's right. He actually was in the military, he's in the army, and this was right after the army had banned segregated buses. And there's a story where he was on a bus and the bus driver told him to get to the back of the bus. He said, no, I'm, I'm sitting right here. Uh, they end up having to call the Army police, and they end up getting arrested and then went to court. He was able to actually, the, all the charges were dismissed, and he was honorably discharged, which was important because if he was dishonorably discharged, there's no way the Brooklyn Dodgers would have took their chance on him. So even long before this, he was disagreeable, and he was standing up for what he felt was right despite you having people not agreeing with him. So this is someone who, when he joined the major leagues, he won, guess what? He won Rookie of the Year and he was he was the NL MVP just 2 years later. Wow. So he led the league with a 342 batting average. He had a ton of steals, a ton of RBIs and the Dodgers won 6 pennants. And, and,
1: and just, just imagine the pressure that was that that must have uh, yeah. he must have felt because I mean, think about it. The first black player, the very first one to play in the major leagues. And people need to understand. I mean, it's not as if like you know, all of a sudden one day it became a cool idea for a a black person to play at the major leagues level, right? I mean, this was something that, you know, other players had been striving for 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 years, for decades, you know, Um, I mean, this was a huge thing. Yeah. Uh, And there had been resistance, you know, on multiple fronts for a really long time.
0: Mm -hmm. So the, the manager actually said that he chose him on purpose because he knew that he was going to face horrible, tough crowds down the road and that he could handle it without fighting back. Yeah. So can you imagine the hate he took? Like, like look at all the hate Colin Kaepernick's getting nowadays, but imagine yeah. Jackie Robinson oh, yeah. in 1947, what he had to deal with. Mm-hmm.
1: 1947. <laughs> and 1947.
0: Yeah. Again, I mean, this is way
1: before the days of, of Martin Luther King and, and, and Selma. You know, we know what happened, the bloodbath that, that occurred there. I mean... So there was a a lot of hostility around the notion of integrating. I mean at this point we have we hadn't even integrated mainstream society yet.
0: Well at that point a lot of people in general thought that for whatever reason African Americans or black individuals didn't have the skill to play alongside white people. Yeah.
1: And so and that so that's what makes <laughs> the <this> story <laughs> that's even what more interesting, against. right? Is more even more compelling is because he was so great, like you said, he was winning awards, rookie of the year, et cetera. His team was Six successful, pennants. right? So it's almost like this added layer of hate because now he's proving all the naysayers wrong, right? So they were already upset with the fact that they chose to integrate baseball to begin with, and now blacks are joining white players. But he's also proving all the doubters wrong because. The whole reason why they said there was no reason to integrate was because blacks are inferior in talent, right, and he's showing that you know it's absolutely not the yep. case you know
0: and so. Martin Luther King later on said that if it wasn't for Robinson there would there would be no king wow, so he he led the charge and actually and still while he was playing, and there's stories written about him because he joined the league in nineteen forty seven the Boston Red Sox were the last team in Major League Baseball to integrate. And that wasn't until 1959. So even 12 years after he joined the league, there was teams that still weren't integrated. That's
1: amazing. That, that really is. And, and the team was from what city? Boston. Wow. Yeah. So that, that goes to show you, man, um, you know, what things were like back then. And it's so great. I love history. You know, I, I love looking back and understanding history because i truly believe you know that that history is the best teacher and you don't know your history then it's really hard to understand the present and ultimately to to make predictions about the future so
0: he set the stage for for everyone playing the game today and they honor him every season on april 15th it's jackie robinson day april
1: 15th yeah yeah, he, he he broke
0: the color barrier in baseball, and I think that that just obviously had a, has a ripple effect. I think in all the other athletes we're going to talk about.
1: Yeah, and a ripple effect on the on the world.
0: Yeah, um, did you have any other baseball players? I had one more I want to talk about briefly. Um, honestly, uh, I, I don't think know if there's any that's going to hold a candle to Jackie Robinson. No. I mean no, I Babe Ruth like obviously was a stud back in the day. I wanted to bring up Roberto Clemente. Okay. He's a Pittsburgh Pirate. He was the most yeah. valuable. He's been an MVP, twelve Gold Gloves. Four National League batting titles, twelve All-Star Game selections, two World Series championships, and one World Series MVP. So great player, but he was someone who he is a Puerto Rican player. Uh, he was the first Latin American and Caribbean player ever to be enshrined in the Hall of Fame. And what the reason I'm bringing him up is because he was huge with regards to charities, and he took a lot of national pride. He wanted to be the symbol for a Latin American player in sports, and he was that. And while he was still playing he ended up taking a flight down to Nicaragua to help after a massive earthquake. And he had actually sent planes down there with supplies to help out. But for some reason, the planes didn't make it. They didn't get through customs. So he thought if he hopped onto the plane and they would let him through customs, obviously, because he's Roberto Comantes he's a star baseball player in the MLB. Unfortunately, that plane went down. And he, he died on the plane down to Nicaragua to help after this massive earthquake because he's, he was such a charitable guy. So I, I had to mention him because he's someone, after he, he passed away, he joined the Hall of Fame. He was awarded different medals from President Nixon, and even George W. Bush as recently as 2003 gave him the Presidential Medal of Freedom. So this is a guy that we had to mention. He's just, he's such a, repre- like Jackie Robinson was a representative of, of, of players of color in mm-hmm. the Major League Baseball. Roberto Clemente is a representative of Latin players in Major League Baseball. Definitely. And how many players in Major League Baseball come from Latin America? And oh, yeah, it's, so, it's amazing. Definitely broke barriers there.
1: Yeah, man. Yeah, we can go down the list. I mean, you know, I I think about guys like Hank Aaron, you know. Inspirations. uh, You know, a guy that was able to challenge the great Babe Ruth, the home run king. Um, Think about guys like Willie Mays. Yeah.
0: Reggie Jackson, Mr.
1: October. Mr. October. Yep, that's right. Um, Sandy Koufax, you know, going back. We're going back.
0: Lou Gehrig. We got a disorder named after him. (laughs) ALS. Isn't that something? (laughs) Uh,
1: Lou Gehrig's disease. Yeah, so um, that that's a that's a that's a great story. Yeah, we
0: also got Frank Robinson was the first African American manager, mm. and oh, yeah. he was actually still managing I think up to te- ten years oh, ago. Oh yeah, he, he was stud, the Orioles. He was a stud player on oh, his yeah, own. A lot right. better player than manager, but he broke that color barrier. And then I want to talk about Monet Davis. You remember her? She was in the Little League World Series. She's the first oh, girl ever right. to pitch a shutout in the Little League World Series. Yeah, dominated, and now she's uh, she plays playing softball at Hampton. University. So
1: you know, there's another sport that uh, comes to mind, kind of jumps off the page, if you will, when I think about trailblazers, um, and that's boxing.
0: Yeah, I know who you want to talk about, but let me jump ahead, because you want to talk about Muhammad Ali. Oh uh, well, you can't let, talk about boxing, yeah, not talk but about let me Muhammad talk Ali. about Jack Johnson first. Sure. So please. in 1908, he fought Tommy Burns to become the first African American heavyweight champion of the world. And they actually, at the time, this is 1908. so like 40 years before Jackie Robinson came into play. And they were newspapers that were had articles named, quote-unquote, Great White Hope, and they f- advertised to get the title back. So he, he kind of set the stage. He was the first African-American heavyweight champ. But, yeah, tell me about uh Mr. Muhammad Ali. Oh, Everyone calm. knows him. Oh, <laughs> he, he's on the level. Of, he may be on the level of Jackie Robinson as well.
1: Oh, no, man. He's definitely on the level of Jackie Robinson. Again... For similar reasons, someone that was one of the legendary activists of the civil rights movement, someone that that stood up in the face of adversity, like Tori mentioned earlier, definitely someone who bit the five-factor personality profile, someone that... um, He stood
0: up against the Vietnam War, right? Yeah,
1: yeah, he did. Well, he stood for what he believed and... Uh, he was conscientious in his approach. He was definitely an extrovert. He was an extraordinary person uh, as much as he was uh, an extraordinary athlete.
0: Talk about an extrovert. He
1: inspired confidence, for sure. could even maybe go as far as say he was, you know, had a pretty big ego, but it, it worked for him. You know, he, he put it all together in people. Loved. He was beloved. Mm-hmm. He was beloved. And just a few highlights. So he was born Cassius Clay, uh, january seventeenth nineteen forty two He was born in Louisville, Kentucky.
0: So he's growing up watching Jackie Robinson. He was growing, yeah,
1: exactly. He started out in terms of his kind of national prominence by earning a gold medal as a light heavyweight in the nineteen sixty Summer Olympics. He then ended up turning pro later that year. and And I think at this point, you know he really this is when he really started to rise to fame. And it was interesting how around the same time converted to Islam, yeah. right, which was pretty controversial, you know, at the time. But um, I
0: mean, and some people would say it'd still be controversial to this day. Yeah, in some parts at, of the yeah,
1: you know, at the time, this country was involved or getting in, into involvement with the, the Vietnam conflict.
0: Yeah. And it was in the middle of the civil rights movement as well.
1: Yeah. And so you had the civil rights movement on the one hand. You have the Vietnam conflict on the other hand. And sort of brushing up against all of this is the rise to prominence of this, this great boxer. And boxing was huge back then. Boxing was bigger, way bigger yeah, even than like the UFC is now to nowadays.
0: Yeah. They you know? made, along with side baseball, I mean, it, it was, was probably huge. heavyweight boxing.
1: Heavyweight boxing yeah. in, in particular was huge. And so uh, to have the, you know, a prominent boxer, you know, again, he just won the gold medal at the Olympic Games to convert to Islam was a big deal. Now, Muhammad Ali, like many men, young men his age around that time, was drafted into the war. And as a result of his religious affiliation, he was a conscientious objector. Um, you know, He believed very strongly in world peace. Yeah. And also as a black man who was fighting for the United States in the Olympic games, uh, and now as a professional boxer, Extremely thoughtful um,
0: decision. In retrospect, thinking, looking no, back, yeah, no, for sure. I mean, as um, a, as a side, we worked in the VA and we treated countless Vietnam War veterans, and yeah,
1: many uh, of which who have PTSD because or of a, that conflict, a, a Agent
0: Orange exposure, and yeah. all these different things. And what what was accomplished with that war? But, but this is all in retrospect. There's no r- right or wrong side of history. Yeah, in my opinion. But
1: absolutely. But it it, w- it, it was it, it was it took a lot of courage, mm-hmm. a lot of guts. Absolutely. For him. To, he definitely uh, had
0: to be disagreeable
1: yeah and what some may not know is that this so so he decided not to go to Vietnam after he had won the heavyweight boxing title against Sonny Liston so he he uh, it was a major upset Sonny Liston was a very highly regarded boxing champion at that time and at 22 years old Ali took that Ooh, uh, took, that that, he took the crown? Yeah, that, that crown. He had so um, many legendary fights. It's 1964, it's that's right. When was the rope-a-dope um, against oh, George Foreman? Because that's yeah, the one. That was, that, was, see, that was after all this went down. So Fly
0: like a butterfly. He ended like up a ha-
1: get, being stripped of his title because of his decision.
0: Did he go to jail?
1: And he went to jail. Oh. He didn't have to serve time in jail, but he was banned from boxing for three years. This was in his prime. In his prime, right after yeah. he
0: won the belt. Yep. Wow,
1: so much, so much courage, and but he was rewarded because he came back, and you know, he ended up uh, getting um, that really exciting fight in I think it was South Africa uh-huh. against George Foreman, that eventually led to the Thrilla in Manila. Okay, uh, so the Rope
0: Dope, and then the Thrilla Manila against, yeah, George, uh, against Joe Frazier. Yeah,
1: that's right. So no, he had he had a, a great, great run. Was a, a long time
0: champion. There's some stud boxers Not back just, then too
1: not just in the boxing ring but also off the ring people were so moved by his protest he was like the kaepernick of his day you know but much oh, more popular yeah. <laughs> yeah much more popular i don't and, know if i'd put, but here's the thing about it here's gonna the thing put kaepernick
0: that, on that level
1: no 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 no. i will but I, I won't because we don't know yet what the long-term implications are going to be of this movement mm-hmm. but i will say this much We don't know what it was like. We can't say. We we weren't even born when when Mm -hmm. this was going down in the 60s, right? So we don't know what it was like to have been Muhammad Ali in, in say, 1965, 1966, Mm -hmm. right? Right in the thick of it. He might have been very unpopular, Right? Yeah. For all we know, I, I, uh, I imagine it, in certain crowds, you he know, was, yeah. yeah. I mean, he could have been getting the same type of flack that Kaepernick is getting. I mean, he was banned from boxing for three years, just yeah. like Kaepernick has essentially been banned from football. I don't know
0: if any, any of these people we're going to be talking about are going to be popular across the board. A lot no. of them are going to be controversial,
1: but it's the legacy, yeah. right? A lot of it's a legacy. And one thing about Ali that that makes him so great, and we'll see, you know, with Kaepernick.
0: Well, Kaepernick's never going to touch Ali or Jackie Robinson because he wasn't as good of an athlete.
1: That's well. That's one thing. That's one very important thing. But the other really important thing is I mean, these guys were outspoken. You know, they were outspoken. They were leading the movement. They were out front. Yeah. I mean, they weren't hiding. You know, they it was not, they were like, you know, this is
0: what's going on. This is here. I, here I am. You have to. You're going to yeah. have to deal with exactly. Me. And they're setting the foundation for all, all these athletes that we're going to mention come, yeah. coming forward. Absolutely. But uh, where do we go he- from here after we bring it up probably the two biggest legends in the history of sports? Yeah, Muhammad Ali and Jackie Robinson. So let's you want to jump in. Let's quickly take it while we're in combat sports. Let's talk a little bit about MMA. I wanted to bring up Ronda Rousey. I know this, this isn't going to pale in comparison to the previous fighters we talked about, but she opened up the door in 2012. This was actually not soon after the president of the UFC, Dana White, said that a woman fighter would never fight in the UFC. Soon after that, in 2012, he signed Ronda Rousey and the rest was history. She broke through into the mainstream media, became an absolute star, a champion. She had six title defenses. She was a stud. And yes, she was. like I said, she, she brought women's mixed martial arts to mainstream and to the forefront. Now the UFC, literally like six, seven years after their president said they would never have a woman fighter, they have three women's divisions in That's the right. UFC. That's right. And current fighters now like Holly Holm, Amanda Nunez, who's a two-time champion, just killing the game yeah so she opened up a lot of doors now she's in the wWE making millions of dollars mm-hmm. I think she's a heel in the wWE just no, and it.
1: sometimes that's all it takes man is just the right type of person you know the right type of personality to enter a sport and just change the game you know uh, and it, it it's something about just certain personality types and and certain traits
0: certain qualities that uh, that, that that have that ability do you think everyone in this, this country, there, you, do you think there's certain s- sects of this country where people disagree with women being fighters?
1: Oh God! Um, if, if that's the case, then they're, they're living in you know in the caveman days or something. But what there. was
0: it? Um, yeah, it was Meryl Streep. I think a few years ago at the Academy Awards was was disrespect mixed martial arts, saying it's not an art. So there's a lot of people that that disagree with fighting in general, and I imagine Ronda Rousey. Definitely was disagreeable going into a sport that was heavily all men, mm-hmm. and she's this, this female, and she had to go against the grain, had to be disagreeable, had to be open, to oh, do yeah. something no one else had ever done, and she became a champion, and now, if you watch any UFC card, you're gonna see at least two or three women fights up there, mm-hmm. and they're, they're, they're freaking exciting.
1: Talk about being disagreeable, mm-hmm. okay, and, and being a woman, and having to, to break the mold. I gotta think about Althea Gibson.
0: Ooh, tennis. Are we jumping into tennis? Yeah. Oh, a quick, sh- about- quick shout-out to Khabib Nurmagomedov. I think I got that right. He's from Dagestan. He's probably the most dominant MMA fighter of all time. He's Muslim, insanely popular throughout the world. He recently fought Conor McGregor, another kind of breakthrough trailblazer, and they brought kind of UFC to another level, and they were purchased recently by ESPN. So shout-out to those two. But, yeah, Athea Gibson, Yeah, tennis. Man.
1: God, yeah. When I think about breaking down barriers and women to break down barriers, it's gotta, you got to think about Althea Gibson in tennis, all right? A lot of people don't know Althea Gibson in tennis. Serena Williams is what, you know, most people nowadays think about great tennis athletes. They, they you know... T- Obviously, Serena. Serena Williams. Yeah. Venus. Um, think about Venus. Man, I tell you what, though. I, I, I'm not so sure that Venus would have been exactly who she has become, had it not been for Althea Gibson, paving the way. Yeah, all in right?
0: 1956. That's
1: right, that's right. Now, uh, historically, tennis, much like golf, have been very, just th- those kind of sports. Country that, club. Yeah, it's, we'll call them country club type sports, all right? Where they were the types of sports that you know historically had been very exclusive. So when Althea Gibson came onto the scene, It really turned a lot of heads. Again, back in 1956, she was the first person of color, period, uh, man or woman, to win a Grand Slam, all right? She won the French Open, and uh, over the course of her career, she accumulated 11 Grand Slam titles. Dang. Yep. Uh, She was inducted into the International Tennis Hall of Fame, and... Ultimately, you know, she paved the way for the Serena's in the in the Venus. And she Williams had greatness. World. That's right.
0: Another t- tennis player I want to mention was Billie Jean King. She was the first. She was uh, openly gay, and she actually challenged. Ended up taking a lot of heat. There was a movie that actually came uh, out about her recently, where she challenged this like TV personality that was a chauvinist pig to a tennis match, and she she blew him out. And this was in 1973. So she kind of brought it to the next level. It's like, hey, us girls can compete with the boys just as well. And she was uh, openly gay at the time, which obviously was uh, controversial. So, and like you mentioned before, we, we have to bring up the Williams sisters. Like Serena Williams brought tennis to an, a whole nother level. She's mainstream. She's she's on par with the LeBrons, the Tiger Woods of the world. Shout out to her. And then you, you mentioned golf. So we might as well jump into golf too. First person that comes to mind, obviously, is going to be Tiger, Tiger Woods, Woods but there's someone who... <laughs> there's Charlie Sifford. He was the first black PGA golfer. He broke the color barrier around the same time Althea Gibson did. Uh, he, he broke the color barrier in, in golf in 1954. So shout out to him. He laid the foundation for Tiger Woods, who... Yeah, talk about the, the pinnacle of sports and mainstream and pop yeah. culture.
1: You know, and and what you got to love about a Tiger Woods story... I mean, we all know about the, uh, the off... The it field in, in golf, off the course? Yeah, off the course. <laughs> off, the off course shenanigans and all that stuff, you know, that uh, unfortunately may have caused a little bit of a chink in the armor. But, I mean, at the end of the day, you got to look at what this guy did and you just have to look at, you just have to shake your head and you have to say, wow. I mean, it's one thing to break a barrier right to to be that person that has to withstand the adversity we talked about all these athletes that you know were even you know imprisoned you know for standing up for what yeah. they believed it's one thing to have to go through that um, it's a whole other thing though to break that mold uh have to walk in those shoes take that journey uh but then also become the best yeah the best you know that is it's got to be the the sweetest victory?
0: Yeah, and it, well, Tiger Woods and people like they have the a fortunate ability that people broke the color barrier before, so they didn't have to deal with that pressure. Yeah, there was still obviously a, probably a lot of hate that Tiger Woods faced growing up playing golf, Um being the the son of an African American man and being a, the token in a in uh, a Thai mom. Yeah, and he he took off to an, another level. Um, yeah, and he's still playing. He won the Masters this past year, which was awesome. Yeah. Um, uh, so, you, let's talk a bit about some uh, Olympic athletes.
1: Mm-hmm. This one excites me. Uh, this is a great one. Oh, I can tell you're excited. We talk about Florence Griffith Joyner. Ooh, Flojo? Also known as Flojo. Let me,
0: let me set the stage a little bit for her. Let me talk about Alice Coachman. She was the first African-American woman to win, win an Olympic gold medal. And also the only American woman to win a gold medal during the 1948 Olympics in London. She won for the high jump. And... She was actually the first black woman to be endorsed on an international product, Coca-Cola. So she broke the mold in her sport, broke a barrier in her sport, and broke a barrier was across the world. That's pretty cool. So she set the stage, and we got Wilma Rudolph. She was the first to win three gold medals. This was in 19, the 1960s. And then kind of in the late 1980s, 1990s, you have Jackie Joyner, Kersey, She was the first American woman to win an Olympic gold in the long jump, and the first ever woman to compile more than 7,000 points in a seven-event heptathlon. She won three gold medals, a silver, and two bronze medals over four separate Olympics. And she was named by Sports Illustrated for the woman's top athlete of the 20th century. And she overcame severe childhood and asthma. And she's another UCLA Bruin along with Jackie Robinson. We forgot to mention he's another UCLA Bruin recording this live outside UCLA's campus. And then what about Flo Jo? Jackie Joyner-Kersey is a sister-in-law with Flo Jo. She broke the barrier not only because of her ability to being the fastest woman of all time, but she had made a fashion statement. She had some swag. And she was a part of the Sugar Ray Robinson organization as a kid growing up. And I know we talked about Sugar Ray Robinson in a previous episode. Um, She also went to UCLA studied psychology, so there's a little tie-in there. Other great Olympic athletes, Gabby Douglas, she was in 2012, she was the first African-American woman to win an individual all-around event, and then obviously Simone Biles right now is just killing it, and then we got to talk about Michael Phelps a little bit, probably the most decorated Olympic athlete of all time, or the most decorated Olympic athlete of all time, and the reason I want to bring up him is because After his retirement in 2016, he opened up about his battles with depression. He talked about that he contemplated suicide following his 2014 DUI arrest, his second one at the time. He said, quote-unquote, I didn't want to see another day. And when he finally faced his issues, he ended up attending therapy, and he called therapy, quote-unquote, a life-saving support group. He became mentally healthier and able to rebound from the setback and also another great quote this is what it's all about he said once I started talking about my struggles outside the pool the healthier I felt he went on saying now I have kids and adults come up to me and say they were able to open up because I was open about my life so a little tangent talking about Phelps and no struggle a lot of these people have their own mental health struggles yet they still become trailblazers game changers and set an amazing tone, but I know you have one. Yeah, man! Historic Olympic athlete, you want to talk about? Well,
1: here. yeah, historic man. It probably doesn't quite do it justice. He's probably
0: on the level with a Muhammad Ali mm-hmm. and a Jackie Robinson. Mm-hmm.
1: It was a fateful day in 1936 when a man named Jesse Owens stood for America, stood for Black America, stood for equal rights. I mentioned 1936. Hopefully our audience recognizes that 1936, Berlin, Germany was the stage, the front lines really, for uh, the World War II conflict, which was probably the most important and influential period of the 20th century. So here was a black man that was running for the United States in representing the United States in Germany. Now, for those of you who don't know the history. Um, Talk
0: about against all odds.
1: Yeah. Uh, Adolf Hitler rose to, to power on a platform that was largely based on nationalism. And, you know, I think we can, we can agree at this stage, white supremacy, mm-hmm. right, racism, Right, anti-Semitism, and he believed that white people, Germans, uh, were were, su- were superior to yeah, not just all whites other, but a
0: specific brand of whites. Yeah,
1: to to all they called the Aryan race, right? Aryan supremacy, and he believed that they would prove in the Olympics how great they were through victory in
0: sport and. Um, this is where actually, sports like represents a lot more than just a game, right? This is a, a, on an international stage during a time where people are vying for whatever have you political power and our way of living and our, how we construct our government and our, our people, our country is better than your way of living. And the, the Olympics was a, a chance to almost be, be able to prove that as silly as it may sound, but it was at the time. But Jesse
1: Owens had something to say about that. And uh, he, in fact, was the most successful athlete at those games. And he was essentially credited for single-handedly crushing Hitler's notion of Aryan supremacy by winning four gold medals. Who? Oh. Uh, he won in the 100-meter dash, which is like one of the most exciting events. He won in the 200-meter dash. He won in the long jump, and in the four by one meter relay.
0: Holy, can no, no one does that nowadays.
1: And his his victory and the way that he did it, being the first track athlete at that point to win four gold medals in one Olympics. Of course, Carl Lewis did it later on down the road. But to do it the way that he did it, man, it it you know it just set the precedent for history later down the road, which. I think, was on display yeah, in
0: like, 1968. it's funny because a lot of these came before the Civil Rights Movement, kind of yeah, maybe set the stage for that. Exactly. And then yeah. in 1968, what yeah. happened? Yeah,
1: in 1968, some may recall Tommy Smith standing on the podium after winning the, the gold medal at the 1968 Olympics in Mexico City. Don't
0: forget Josh Carlos in, in third place. In
1: third place, yeah, Josh Carlos. Standing proud, fist held high, right, black power, yeah it it was it was definitely a human rights symbol that's right it was definitely the greatness and resilience of former athletes like Jesse Owens that paved the way for for these forms of protest yeah down un- the road
0: unfortunately they they were ostracized in yeah. sport after that yeah um and that has a lot of parallels to the Colin Kaepernick stuff that's going Absolutely. on now because I think what people get most upset about is it's during, like, the Star-Saving banner or the flags out. Mm-hmm. But standing up for human rights, I, f- I feel like that should trump everything. Yeah. In my opinion. But, I mean, you you're going; these people are disagreeable. You're going against the grain. Yeah. But you're doing it for a reason.
1: You have to. You have to, man. You have
0: to be confident and, and resilient to do a lot of these uh, different things. That's right. So... Oh, man, there's so many different Olympic athletes we can talk about, but I think we'll go ahead and jump to basketball. So once again, 1951, this is when the color barrier was broken. And I'll, I'll, I'll shout out a few guys here. Earl Lloyd, Chuck Cooper, Nate Clifton, Don Barksdale, and Watt Misaka. Those are the guys that were kind of drafted into the league at that time. Other revolutionary players in the NBA, I want to talk about Pete Maravich. He's like one of the first creative offensive minds. Jerry West, obviously, he's the logo. Um, you got Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and you have Hakeem Olajuwon, who are, are Muslim, just killing the game. Dirk Nowitzki. He, he, he broke the barrier for European players, killing it. NBA champion, Hall of Famer. Yep. Kevin Garnett came out straight from high school, the first to do it, kind of in the modern age. And then we have we have uh, Jason Collins. If you guys don't remember, he made history until in 13 when he became the first openly gay athlete in one of the four major North American professional sport leagues. Mm -hmm. He was an All-American at Stanford, and he was actually a center on an NBA Finals team, a back-to-back NBA Finals team, the New Jersey Nets back in the day, even though they got swept twice. Um, He played a full season after coming out, and and, um, he faced a lot of criticism, and Mm -hmm. he's the first to do it. There, There hasn't really been a lot since, unfortunately, but that's in kind of stark contrast to women's sports. Yeah. I want to talk about Cheryl Swoops. Oh, yeah. And she was one of the first female players signed to the WNBA and she won three Olympic gold medals, three time WNBA MVP and essentially probably the greatest WNBA player of all time. And she came out as openly gay in 2005. So she not only brought she was the face of the WNBA when it became the WNBA and she was a stud. She was also broken other barriers being like, I can be openly gay and play and play the sport I love. So multiple barriers broken there.
1: And what about the, that guy in the NFL? I mean, he, he came out actually before he was even drafted. Michael something? Sam. Right? Michael Sam. Mm-hmm. Remember that?
0: Yeah. He got yeah. drafted and um, he took a lot of criticism because during his draft days, celebrate, they have the cameras there and he's yeah. making out with his boyfriend, which a lot of people had a problem with Yeah, for some reason. And he never made it to actually play. Yeah. In an NFL game, I think he played in the arena football for a while. Not arena football, Canadian League Who was he while. drafted by? Dallas Cowboys. Dallas Cowboys, Yeah, wow. He was a stud at Missouri. Missouri he was an All-American mm-hmm. defensive end. So a stud player. But it's only a matter of time before that happens. But it, 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 I think the one thing is we have a lot of...
1: Well, the one thing is that while these characteristics, which I think uh, are... We're saying characteristics that are common to great game changers, trailblazer types, right? Uh, I mean, listen, I, I think to be a professional athlete, period, all the things you have to go through uh, and endure to make it to that level in any sport, you have to have at least some of these qualities. And I must say, these are, are actually characteristics that really can be I think, shaped and, and molded over time. I think these are things that in some ways we're born with, but in in other ways I feel like experience in life also has to teach us. And I think having great coaching um, and even perhaps therapy can play an instrumental role in in helping the individual become more aware of these qualities and and to help them learn how to really hone these qualities and, and use them to to you know help to be a better athlete and a better leader.
0: Yes, yes, that awareness, awareness of yourself and yeah. who you are, and, and what you what you need to succeed. If you, obviously, if you better understand yourself, you're gonna have a better opportunity of succeeding. And I think you're right. Therapy can be really helpful for that. So a few more athletes to touch on. I wanted to specifically talk also about players who are now coming out about their mental health struggles. And I wanted to mention it while we're in the basketball section because we there's a WNBA player currently. Her name is Imani Trishon McGee Stafford. She's the center for the Dallas Wings right now in the WNBA. Former Texas Longhorn. She's been open about how she attempted suicide at age 10, and she's tried more than twice. She told the USA Today this. She suffers from severe depression, wow. and she attributes this to her experiences being sexually abused. Or she, and she says here she attributes to her genetics. Wow. Um, and when talking about her struggles, she ex- explains why so many people with depression are concerned about opening up to others and their issues. And she's opened up. She, she says, quote, unquote, you feel like because you're not happy when you should be happy that you're hurting people around you and you're a burden. Mm, yeah. She said, at a certain point, it just gets easier to shut up because people are getting sick of hearing you're not okay when you're not sick on the outside.
1: Man, depression's a vicious cycle. Man. Absolutely, you,
0: you suffer alone. You suffer in silence a lot of times. So this is what we're all about. We want, we want to open up the door so people can feel more comfortable talking about their struggles because it does help. Now, I don't want you, when you first meet someone, hey, my name's Tori, I'm depressed. No, that's not how you do it, but being more open my about name's, it.
1: My name's Depression. How are you?
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so she, she's, I, I want to applaud her. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, and then we have, we've talked ad nauseum about Kevin Love and DeMar DeRozan. These guys are leading the forefront in NBA currently, opening up about their struggles with yeah. panic attacks and depression, respectively. They're well represented on our Instagram page. Yeah. And then sure. m- moving in, moving into football, Brandon Marshall, He was. he's been open. He has his own actually, mental health initiative called Project 375. It's probably his area code, I think. And their mission statement is kind of mental illness is all around us. It hits us both into the spectrum. It doesn't matter whether you're old, young, male, female, rich, poor, or even your skin color. It affects one in four people. Until now, no one talked about it. But we're changing the conversation because for every one person we educate on mental illness, one less has to suffer from it. That's yeah. his project, three seventy-five. He's open about being diagnosed with borderline personality disorder. He said he, he got that diagnosed in two thousand eleven, and he actually had to be in the hospital at a uh, Harvard Medical School for three months back yeah. then. So borderline treatment. personality
1: disorder. I'm not sure how much we've touched on that before. Oh,
0: we um, talked about it on the
1: episode number eight. Yeah, yeah, we touched we touched on it. It's characterized by uh, self injurious behaviors. Um, Oftentimes, yeah, it comes down to kind of an identity crisis. An internal mm-hmm. identity crisis that can lead to a significant amount of emotional instability. Yeah. And, and at, the guessing the day, so. at the end
0: of the day, at the end of the day, it leads for an increased risk of depression, anxiety, and other serious mental illnesses, yeah. um, substance use, so on and so forth. So he's open about that. And we would also be remiss if we didn't shout out an- another player who broke the color barrier outside of kind of mental Health issues in 1946. Kenny Washington. He was a star running back for UCLA. A lot of UCLA athletes are breaking these color barriers. Yeah. He he suited up for the Los Angeles Rams. Um, He ended the National Football League's ban that kept blacks from playing in the league for 13 years. So I guess initially they allowed them to play, and then 13 years later they banned it. And then, anyways, shout out to Kenny Washington. Um, There's one group of athletes we need to talk about. I guess you could put them in the Olympics, or you could put them in soccer. But the U.S. women's national team. Oh yeah, I think they, yeah they're, they're breaking the. They're as breaking far as the team mold.
1: sports goes, I think our, our, our women's soccer team is probably one of the, our greatest like female sports mm-hmm. enterprises.
0: Talk about just being damn good and breaking and breaking into the mainstream media and being icons and idols for so many people. They're so good at what they do. I think this all started like remember like Mia Hamm, Julie Fowdy, Brandi Chastain, the girl who they won the shootout against China in the, I think 96 Olympics or world, it was the 96 Olympics or either the 1999 World Cup. I think it might've been the 99 World Cup where she scored that goal and took her shirt off, just oh, her yeah. head, spun it like a helicopter. An, an, so iconic. But they were they were like the first uh, women's star athletes. I remember as a kid growing up and they were awesome. I loved watching them play. And then the new generation or the most recent generation, we've got Abby Wambach, Carly Lloyd, Lauren Chaney, Alex Morgan, Megan Rampino, just these group of ladies have won the last two World Cups and three of the last four Olympics. That's so cool. And That's so cool. They're so good. But, yeah. And they're they're breaking barriers not only because they're, <laughs> the U.S. team is good at soccer, but they're also fighting for equal pay right mm-hmm. now. They're That's in a big right. controversy of that because they do generate a lot of revenue. Um, so they're trying to continue to break more barriers. And a lot of people on that team, including Megan Rampino, are, are openly... Out, mm-hmm. um, and that's other things that are we need to see more of on the, on the big screen mm-hmm. and inspiring a whole host of individuals to, to yeah. grow up to know that you can be yourself, be who you are, and still excel as mm-hmm. an athlete,
1: yeah, yeah, as a think, person, uh, yeah, man, absolutely. And, and think about the sport of racing, right? That's still a, there's still a, a, a pretty significant gender gap, it's like there. a boys' club, yeah, total boys' club. So you got to really look at uh, someone like Danica Patrick and you're like man wow what she's what she's doing for that sport yep
0: yeah she came in she actually did uh, IndyCar and she did NASCAR yeah so she's she's touching all the bases um where are we going here hockey had Willie O'Ree he was the first professional NHL player that was back in 1958 um, he also played in 1961, and then that set the stage for other players now who are killing it, P.K. Subban, Wayne Simmons, um, Ryan Reeves, just killing the game That's in the NHL. Right. That's NHL right. still, I mean, it is kind of a European and Canadian sport, but not a lot of uh, black players in the NHL, but there are some, and they're excelling. The times are they're changing. killing it, yeah. For sure. And t- talk about boys' club. What about Becky Hammond?
1: Yeah, coaching. That's a whole other la- layer to it. So you have coaching and executive leadership, right? Yeah, those are definitely areas where, where we we have to break some barriers. But fortunately, uh, some very resilient women have already done so. Think about Becky Hammond. Um, she's not only a coach, but she's a coach for a men's basketball yeah. franchise. She's right? the
0: first ever women's coach in, in the NBA. She coached That's with Greg Popovich. For, yeah, Probably Pop. the most That's respected right. men's basketball coach of all time. Mm-hmm. It's not in yeah. the top three or five.
1: Yeah. I think universally people would say that the Spurs are one of the, the better sports franchises ever, right? And she's an assistant coach for them. So good on you, Becky. She's
0: killing it. She's killing it. We're still, we're still needing more female coaches in football. There's been a couple. Um, there's been one in the MLB. But yeah, we, and you, you mentioned like even own, ownership, like Jeannie Bus. he's mm-hmm. the owner of Lakers killing the game. That's right. I mean, there's a ton more barriers that need to be broken, mm-hmm. but these are the people that have set the foundation That's right. For everyone to come and realize, like, I can do this. And maybe I need to be a little bit more open, more self-disciplined, more disagreeable. But can you change your personality traits? That's a good question. Yeah, that is a great question. I think you can become aware of them. And then once you become aware of them, you can learn to work with what you got. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, I I think maybe the, the right term is refine. I like that. Yeah, I think you can refine. How do you do that? Well, I think experience I like to go back to this essay that I wrote for medical school.
0: Were you in like fourth grade? No. <laughs> I was not
1: Doogie <laughs> Hauser. Um, no, not, definitely not fourth grade. No, for, yeah, seriously, man, um, in my jump from the Air Force to, to medical school, I knew that being a non traditional student, I was going to have to have a really impactful personal statement. Yeah. And so I chose to uh, use kind of a symbolic theme, and I use the theme of purifying metal. In order to, to purify metal, it has to be exposed to extreme temperatures, right? Really extreme temperatures. Um, you know, think about like, for example, diamond in the rough. Um, in order to make a diamond, you know, that initial charcoal-like product it has to be exposed to really, really extreme temperatures, really extreme stressors, right, in order to develop the brilliance and, and the luster. And this is kind of the process for, you know, for all metals, really, in order to develop that brilliant, shiny luster. They have to go through extreme adversity. You start off unformed and misshapen, but over time, with pressure, with fire, stress, eventually it reveals your brilliance, your greatness. And so I think for me, I related that to my journey through life, things that I went through, things that I endured in order to go from becoming just this misshapen, malformed piece of of rock, of stone, to becoming a brilliant Diamond, gem. Yeah, gem. A you are you are a, gem. a brilliant gem. What well, to becoming? You know, a brilliant precious metal.
0: Mm-hmm. It's almost like reach your potential.
1: Yeah, I mean that requires that you have to go through some things, and so you know I think that that's similar to the journey that is required to becoming a great athlete, to becoming great in all walks of life. You have to go through things. You have to experience adversity. You have, to you have
0: to be battle experience
1: testing. challenges, right? And you have to be resilient enough to withstand those challenges. Allow yourself, allow yourself to experience what you need to, to learn what it takes to become great.
0: And that's what all these trailblazers have in common. They went through the fire and they came out better for it. That's right. And, and they broke down barriers and, and they're motivating and inspiring future generations. Yeah. And like you said, legacy. That's right. When we, everyone wants to talk about legacy nowadays, player empowerment movement, I want to do it all for my legacy. These individuals have a legacy. A legacy means something where you have inspired multiple future generations that last well beyond after you're playing days, well beyond after you pass away because time is temporary, but legacies aren't. Yeah.
1: Banner, banners are forever. Yeah.
0: <laughs> 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 yeah, friends, friends are temporary. Banners are forever. God bless Kobe Bryant. Um, all right, man. And, and other things that can help. We talked about the big five: resilience, being confident, having strong social supports. Can't discount that enough. Nope. Whew. We got to end this, man. I think we. You ended it great. It was beautiful. And um, thanks for having this conversation with me. Always. Armin, let's end the stigma.
1: And let's continue the conversation.